I'm sure you've missed my deep, soothing, dulcet tones. It's been almost three months since I last recorded a podcast. Um, middle of November sometime. For no other reason than uh, nobody listens to this and it's terrible. And uh, just life generally, you know. I was coming up towards Christmas and, uh, you know, I just didn't have time. Who has time? I don't know who, who has time to do this shit. Um, unless you're getting paid for it, which obviously I... I'm not, um, but hello, I am back, um, if you care, for the three people who are listening, um, I hope you're all well, I um, hope you had a lovely Christmas, lovely new year, hope it was um, filled with love and glee and merriment and all your loved ones are healthy and well, and um, if they aren't, um, sorry about that, um, shit happens, unfortunately, that's life. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd, it's, it's a bank holiday. It's Bank Holiday Monday, if you're listening to this on the day I record it, um, which is the 5th. Nice long weekend. Um, I personally didn't do a whole lot. Well, no, that's not true. I, I went out for a wee pinteen or two on a Friday evening. Um, I've been off the, the booze. Not necessarily dry in January. I don't believe in that bullshit. I just said I needed a break because I, I went to town quite literally and figur- figuratively um, over the festive period. Um, so I decided to pump the brakes for a little while. So I went five weeks without, without a drop hitting my lips. But I went for a couple on Friday. Um was in Kyo's on... What street is that? South Anne Street? Um, you know, everyone knows Kyo's. Great pub. Um, upstairs, lovely. Downstairs can be an absolute riot um, in the sense of both fun and merriment and just millions of people that spill out in the street. Um, but me and my friend managed to get a seat upstairs, which can often be quite uh, calm and quiet, which it was, which was lovely. We had a little seat by a window looking over the street, which was good for people watching. And um, there were some lovely young ladies walking around with trays of free glasses of straight powers for some reason. Um, so we had one of them too. Um, and then on Saturday evening, I met some friends and we went for sushi and sake uh, and then some pints. Um, so yeah, I've had a bit of booze um, and I'm feeling, I'm not saying I'm feeling fragile, it's, it's, it's two days since the last rank, but... I'm getting old, and uh, yeah, you can't just drink uh, endlessly and bounce back the next day. Um, it just stays with you for for weeks um, while you contemplate um, all your life's decisions. Um, rambling off topic, as usual. Um, so cars, cars, cars. Um, yeah, so over the three-month period, I, can't, I didn't do anything particularly car-related. There wasn't really much going on. Um, I'm sure there was events and and stuff. Um, I don't. Know, I, I feel like I'm like I'm very out of the loop these days when it comes to like, oh, did you go to this meet or this car show or? No, I didn't because um, I didn't know about it. Um, yeah, no, I haven't bought a car. Um, so I'm still, so I'm still carless. As I've mentioned many times before, I have a van with work, so if I do need to go anywhere, um, I have that, and I'm I'm a name driver on my mother's car, so I can borrow that if I need to. Um, both of which are terrible because it's a one's a van and the other's a micro with a CVT gearbox. Um, but it's hard to justify the cost of a vehicle, and I would be able to justify the cost if I could find something that I went, "Ooh, I need that in my life." Now, of course, and again, I've had this conversation with you many, too many times. I could borrow a lot of money and buy something fancy, um, but I'm just not really into borrowing money because um, I, I feel like then you don't own the thing until you've paid back the money that you've borrowed um, and I don't like that um, if I'm going to own especially when it comes to cars if I'm going to own a car I'd rather, I'd rather own it because if shit goes wrong 
um okay it's it's okay you're you're out say something that's irreversible crashed uh, cataclysmic mechanical fa- failure and the car's gone well at least you don't owe someone loads of money and then not own the car um that to me was just depressing um also i like the freedom of you know what i don't have any children um, i don't have a wife um if i decide i want to move to fucking fiji next week i can and um I don't owe anyone loads of money before I had to have to pay off before I go, um, and um, yeah, I'm getting rambling. Um, I, I would like a car. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't want a car. I do. I really do want a car. Um, I don't need one, but I want one. Um, but it's just as as ever. The the market is just deplorable. Um, I was going through it with a, with a car friend the other day because his his partner just recently got her provisional license, and they're looking at cars, and um, she's going to be terrible. Um, as we all are when we start. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking for something not particularly expensive because um, she is going to bounce it off every curb um, and wall. And it, there's just fuck all out there. Like, it's just high mileage garbage for too much money. And anything that's, you know, not got moon miles on it, which again, mileage is, is but a number. Um, maintenance is more important than mileage. But it's just seas of dull, dreary rubbish that's way overpriced. Um, and nothing really in between. Um, I know, just everyone out there is like, I have a car, you know, get yourself together, man. And you're probably right. Um, I, I don't know, I, I haven't seen anything over the last, Jesus Christ, 18 months was scourging through the classifieds that I was like, yes, I will put my money into that. There's just nothing out there that has has wowed me enough to bother spending my money on. Um, and that's partly because the Irish car market generally is pretty crap. Um, and it's almost impossible not to import anything. So, um, yeah, so I don't own a car still, and I haven't really done anything car-related. Um, and uh, have I seen anything particularly interesting? Um, going back through my photos over the last couple of months, I think the most interesting thing I saw, street park, because obviously you can go to you know car meets or, or museums and stuff, and yeah, it's cool to see that stuff. Um, but when it's, it's when you see something street parked, cool. That's when it really floats my boat and i saw in dublin um a a uh a 190e cosworth 2.3 um manual with a lovely dog like manual um and that's just a cool car um you know people always go on that the m3 is the one to have um but i don't know i'm a bit like obviously the e30 m3 is an amazing car but I always do, I do, I'm going to say this quietly, I do think it's kind of overrated. Um, like, I would personally have a rather nicely, you know, lightly fettled 325i with a six-cylinder over um, an E30 M3. And I know the I know the Mercedes has a four-cylinder as well, as was the requirements for DTM homologation at the time. Um, but I don't know, I, I think that I think the Cosi is, um, I think the Cosi is slightly cooler and they're a hell of a lot cheaper than um, E30 M3s um, and more practical and you know practicality is a thing um, and then I've seen like what else has there been a couple of M3 Tourings knocking around Dublin as well which uh, it's too big for starters um, it's a massive car um, it's still got the ugly front end and the rear end is, is, is good looking I think and, and side profile isn't too bad um, but again it's just why didn't we get an M3 Touring? Like, they built that one-off E46 M3 Touring, 
which was amazing. And one from that generation, now that would be that would be a thing to lust after. Um I just yeah, this one just it just seems a little it's just a little too late. Like it's one I think you need two hundred grand over here just to get into one before I put any options on it. And like it's too much car, it's too big, it's too powerful. Um and uh, as I'm sure objectively it's it's very fast and dynamic I'm sure it's not really that I don't I, it doesn't wow me and something I'm going to get onto later on in the podcast but we're just yeah, yeah the car I hate to be such a cynic and such a down and out but we really do live in dark times when it comes to the the automobile um Christmas happened Christmas, I got I did get a couple of car related books um I got um, one called Ferrari from Inside and Out. Um, it's a it's a big giant coffee table book, which is right in front of me here. Um, of uh, Ferrari, mostly Ferrari F one, um, but Ferrari generally Ferrari um, photography. It's a collection of photographs by uh, Erko Colombo and Rainier. I can never remember how to pronounce his, his surname. German Rainier Schlegmilch. Um, Eric Colombo was kind of the the one photographer that Enzo um, liked and allowed really into the deep sanctums of Ferrari. So there's a lot of like very personal photographs of the man himself and within the factory and with the, with the F1 drivers. Um, and then Rainier is kind of he was kind of the photographer um, in the F1 world from the mid '60s really up until not not so long ago up until the the late late 2000s but you know up until the last decade really um i have a couple of rainier's books um there's one there's a ferrari one which is about ferrari road cars which it goes from the pretty much from the yeah again from the late 60s up until like 355 era um i think i think there's 550s in there as well and there's another one it's called grand prix which is a collection of his formula one photos Again, from the late sixties up until I think it's up until like ninety three. Um, I think Senna is still alive. Again, they're two big, massive, giant coffee table books full of lovely photography. Um, I'm actually looking at my bookshelf here now, which is it's completely full. Um, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, six levels of shelf. Um, it's ninety percent car and motorsport books, um, not entirely, but mostly. Um, the thing is, I've had it for several years. I can't remember exactly where I bought it. It wasn't an IKEA job. It was somewhere I think possibly Woody's DIY. Um, like it looks of high quality, but it isn't. Um, because within the couple of couple of weeks of having it, uh, most of the shelves collapsed under the weight of the books. So a lot of the shelves are actually being held up by the books. So those two, uh, those two coffee table books I was talking about, that shelf shelf above it is being held up by those two books and then the one above that has been held up by the books on that one so i can't really get any of the books out um which is kind of annoying because i'd love to re- reference through them there's lots of great there's some really old car books in there because my dad was great for finding secondhand books um and bringing them home to me um so yeah i can't really read anything and the two sides of the bookshelf are bowing quite heavily so i'm also kind of terrified that the whole thing's going to collapse in the middle of the night and terrify me um so we do need to sort that out because I could spend an entire weekend really just going through all car books, um, which would be a incredible waste of time, but not a waste of time because um, escapism and pleasure is important. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah, all car books. And then the other car book that I got for Christmas was uh, Born in Car Trivia 4 by uh, Sniff Petrol, a.k.a. Richard Porter. 
he of uh, Sniff and Smith and Top Gear and etc etc fame um, great I'm so, this again it's actually right in front of me here and there's some sort of there's something on it and I'm after trying to rub it off and smearing it over the cover and it's a white cover um, and it's only a cheap paperback which I suppose is not a big deal but I like my things to be nice Um bit of a tobacco to try and get this book um, because it is sold through Amazon but for some reason it wouldn't ship to Ireland um, I even contacted him directly he didn't have a clue as what was going on and he couldn't get an answer from Amazon as to why that was um, so I got a, my sister-in-law who is British um, to get it sent to her family home over there and she was going to be over there over the Christmas period and then pick it up for me and bring it back which she did um, I haven't actually read it yet because I'm in the middle of three other books um, as I always am there it goes. Sorry, I'm knocking my remote control off my television on the floor. Um, yes, yeah, so that was really that was the extent of anything that's happening and done. I'm sorry, I've, I've rambled a lot. I've been recording for 12 minutes and said really nothing and just rambled and been depressing um, and cynical because that's just who I am. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, so, I suppose I must. Oh, before I move on to more pressing matters that have happened in the world. Um, I did go to uh, Cars and Coffee in Bray yesterday with my friend, my friend who, um, he does have an, a B7 Audi RS4, which um, they're the peak performance um, estate, German estate car, um, of which I would most definitely have one of them over a new M3. Um, we put his, he's put his RS4 into storage because he also has a B5.5 uh, Volkswagen Passat estate, um, but it's a four motion, which is cool. It's four wheel drive. Um, he's had the car now for 17 years. I remember when he bought it. He bought it off eBay in the UK when it was still possible to do such a thing without breaking the bank. Um, with an inheritance he got from a, his late uh, grandmother. And yeah, we he bought it with 90 something thousand miles on it and it has 230,000 miles on it now. Um, it's been, he, drove it to the, he drove it to the Arctic Circle. He and I drove it around Europe one summer, um, going to various things, including Le Mans and other fantastic uh, sights and scenes of Europe. Um, and but he's, it's been parked up for he's been parked up since he bought the Audi, essentially, um, which was Jesus must be nearly five years ago now, which is mad to say out loud. Um, no, would it be would it be five years ago? Did he buy it? Did he buy it just before the pandemic? He might have bought it in January twenty twenty, just before lockdown. Um, I can't quite exactly remember because if it's if it was twenty nineteen, that means it'll be five years. This like January February, which is mad to say out loud. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was twenty twenty, just to make myself feel less old. Um, so yeah, so he's put the Audi in storage and he's taken the Passat back out. Um, he's done a few things to it. He needed it had coilovers on it, um, which was the style of the time um, when you're in your late twenties and had a Volkswagen product. Um, but now it's getting older um, and realised it looked great to be fair it's not that right because he's got so it's it, what we call OEM plus and um, he had like it's all Volkswagen parts um, he even has like the WA exhaust pipes on it because um, you can do that with the four motion because it has a rear diff um, and the tailpipes are split Um where are they going with that? Yeah, so he put um he put some nice Bilstein shocks on it and some some lowering springs, so it rides much better, but it is riding slightly higher than it once was. Um, and he's gave it a, a service um and stuff like that. But um, it does need a few bits and bobs. Um, the clutch pedal isn't quite returning properly, and there's a lot of body rust. Um, 
and it just it just generally needs a bit of TLC. But it's a great car as a, like I've known it for as long as he's had it, um, and I've shared a lot of time. I, I've I've taken loans of it um, several times and used it. So we, we we drive around Europe and stuff. It's just it's one of those cars that like yeah, to some people it's just a Passat estate. Um, but it's a lot more than that. It being a four motion for starters. Um, but it's more to that to us. Yeah, he's one of my best car mates, and we've had a lot of car related adventures in it, and that's really what it's all about. I I find that Passat estate cooler than a new M3 touring. To go back to that. Um, anyway, me and him went out to Cars and Coffee in. The, well, no, I went I went out in my van because um, I met him out there, and he came out in the Passat. Cars and Coffee Bay. Um, the largest turnout I've seen in one of those. Um, I don't frequent them as much because it generally tends to be the same stuff that's there all the time. Um, but I'm, like, I got there for about ten o'clock and there was already quite a good few people there, and it was a constant stream of people coming in. And even I left at about half eleven-ish, quarter to twelve, maybe. There was still people coming in, um, which was just causing tra- traffic jams getting in and out. Um, some really interesting stuff there, which I'll get to in a moment. Now, I'd, I'd hazard to say 75% of the stuff there was relatively new German stuff, i.e. M cars, AMGs, Golf 4s, uh, Golf GTIs, well, not GTIs, but GTDs, um, all driven by people who vape uh, and think when they are rolling through um, that they should knock it into neutral and bang it off the limiter because, um, you know knuckle dragging and appealing to the lowest common denominator look each to their own each to their own um that's not why i go to car shows and it's not what appeals to me um it's interesting those folk um when i was of a younger age um those folk would have driven um japanese cars and modified those and they were the they were the cars that were driven by people who were I suppose you would say, how do I say this politically correct? Um, they could be undesirable folk. Um, but those people seem to have ver- veered towards um, German stuff of late. Because um, I think it's just it's very easy to tune up um, small capacity, t- highly turbocharged, um, you know, Golfs and Mercedes and... You know, and you can you were able to get AMG stuff and M powered stuff um, relatively on cheap finance. Um, anyway, you know, there was some lovely stuff there. Um, a lovely Lancia Fulvia, um, a, a Deu Espiro, is that was correct? Now on a left left hand drive on German plates, but absolutely immaculate. Um, a lovely Mark II Austin Mini, and um, had like a roof rack on it with. Um, with a, with a with a spare wheel that was very cool. Um, there was a, a brand new two four one Reg um, nine nine two nine eleven Dakar um, money. There's much, still money in the country, and it was also a pretty new. I think it was a two three two three two plate um, nine eleven Sport Classic. Um, so that's the you know essentially a Turbo S, but a Turbo S that's rear wheel drive only and with a manual gearbox. Um, not both of which were not quite in spec, so I would have spec them in, but whatever, each to their own. Um, what other good stuff was there? There, um, nice uh, Hillman Imp. Um, uh, I'm sure there was the, uh, like there was a Sierra uh, Sierra Cosworth Sapphire four x four. 
uh, amongst other things. They're all up on my Instagram there, ending up of note. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the only car-related event I really partook in. Um, I'm sorry, again, like, nothing has changed of the quality of this podcast. Um, I just decided I'd do one because it's been a while, um, and it's a bank holiday. Um, so to move on to, I'm going to have to move on to Formula 1 because obviously the biggest thing that's really happened of late is the um, the announcement that Lewis Hamilton will be joining Ferrari in 2025, uh, which as a diehard member of the Tifosi, um, I'm somewhat conflicted about because um, I'm just not a Lewis Hamilton fan. Um, again, you're going to have to tread light of this because people like to... Um, we won't get into we won't get into politics, um, but um, it's just I find Lewis a bit dull um, as a personality, which you know look is is part of the entertainment of what following the sport. Um, he just he just seems a bit boring um, as as a guy. I, I couldn't see myself. Well, he doesn't drink, but if he did, I couldn't see myself going for a pint with Lewis Hamilton, um, and also. Look, I'm, I'm not in any way saying he's not a good racing driver. He is he is arguably the best. Um, the stats would say he is the best ever. Although to me, it's Michael Schumacher, and there's nothing that will change that. Um, but it's just like, he's, it, it seems like a strange criticism to lay at him, but he's just, his racing career has always been too clean cut, that it's boring. Like, I want my sports heroes, stars, to have a little bit of, have a little bit of flaw in them. Like Schumacher did some questionable things, which I, I didn't agree with what some of some of the stuff he did, but it brought a humanity to the the um, to just just to someone who seems like so on, on such a different a different stratosphere to us mere mortals. Um, the greatest Formula One driver at the time and to me still. Um, so when he would make these kind of questionable choices and do these off-color things on the track, you're like, you know what? He is a human and he is controversial. Whereas Lewis, Lewis has never really done anything controversial. Which like, I know, I know, is a strange criticism, but it goes back to the thing I was saying. Like he just, he's just just a bit dull. Um, like he's, he's he's people used to level criticism at, at the Ferrari dominance, but when you go back and look back at at the period. Yes, okay, there was periods where it was so predictable that they were always going to win, but over the like the, the five years where they were winning the championships back to back, there was a lot of there was still a lot of intrigue and interest going on in the track. Um, whereas during Hamilton's dominance, it, it was just very boring. It was very boring. Um, but yeah, look, I, I wasn't a particularly big Alonso fan before he went to Ferrari. I wasn't really a big Vettel fan until he went to Ferrari, so maybe my tune will change. Um, and there's, look, there's no denying he is arguably certainly one of the best drivers on the grid there at the, at the moment, despite his, his age. He'll be 40 when he gets to Ferrari. Um, you know, Alonso has proven that age is but a number um, when it comes to competitiveness in, in modern Formula 1. Um yeah, it's it'll be interesting. He has nothing to lose. Apparently, he's been paid a hundred million dollars a year, um, and I think apparently it's it's a two year contract with the option of of a third. Um, so we'll see. He has nothing to lose. I think he's, I think he's just kind of 
he's kind of fed up with Mercedes. I don't think he sees them getting back to where they once were. They've lost a lot of key personnel, um, engineer-wise, aerodynamics, etc. Um, maybe he's seen this season's car and knows that like this season's car will lead into the 2026 car because no one's going to go for a new concept. Sorry, into the twenty twenty five car, and I was going to go into a new concept, um, before twenty twenty six when new regulations are brought in. So maybe he knows there is no hope for any more success there at Mercedes. Um, then the deal that he was offered at Ferrari probably was too good to refuse, and maybe he also knows what they have up their sleeve for the new regulations in twenty twenty six. Um, it is well believed that um. They are quite ahead of the ahead of the game when it comes to the development of the engine, which is quite similar to the current layout. And um, but it is a it is a brand new. There is there is a complete change. And um, they're getting rid of some of the hybrid technology. And I think it's the MGH is going. And I'm not going to go into the the technical regulations. But anyway, he has nothing to lose. If he goes there and succeeds, it'll be the cherry on the top of the cake that has been his very 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 successful career. If it doesn't work out. It's not going to change anything. Um, it'll be it, look if if he wins, it'll be it'll be something to shout about because I think he would be the first person in modern. I'm going to say modern. I'm going to say from like the late seventies onwards, um, in modern Formula One to have won the world championship with three different manufacturers. Um, I don't think anyone else has won. Like Fangio won five constructors, and he won he won with. Ferrari, Maserati, Mercedes, and who am I missing there? He won with he won with four, and Alfa Romeo. He won four different teams, but like he won some of those seasons that he won a championship. He was actually driving two different cars. I think possibly three different cars at one point. It was a completely different game back then. So I'm talking about now in this modern era where you you race with a team for several seasons and you don't chop and change. If you do chop and change. Like obviously it has happened mid-season you're probably not fighting for a championship um, if if someone was to win a world, uh, the driver's world championship in the current modern era of Formula 1 with two different teams would be the greatest achievement I think anyone would manage because it meant they were managing to win with a car that probably what either was the best car on the grid um, and then they moved to a team that didn't have the best car on the grid and then continued to win the championship or vice versa. They weren't in the best car, were winning and then moved to get the best car. And well, anyway, You know what I'm trying to say. Long and winded, waffling as usual. If he wins with Ferrari, he'll have won with McLaren, Mercedes and Ferrari. Um, every racing driver, um, as is the kind of trope, wants to, wants to race for Ferrari and wants to win with Ferrari. And if he manages it, It'll be amazing, but I said if he doesn't, it won't really make a big deal to his to his career. Um, bit harsh for Al Sainz, uh, Sainz being the only driver um, with Ferrari last season to win a race outside of Red Bull. Um, but you know, Ferrari couldn't turn down the opportunity to to sign up Lewis, and um, you get you kind of get you know you get the impression with Carlos, he's a good racing driver. But I don't think he's one of the greats. Um, it would take a lot for think a lot of things to come together for Carlos to have a run at a championship. You'd have to imagine, and um, Ferrari would have to have the best car. 
let's take, take next season for example Ferrari would have to have the best car on the grid um, which would be great um, but we'd be surprised if Red Bull don't turn up and dominate next season again but for argument's sake let's say Ferrari turn up with the best car um, he could do it but it would take also take I think a lot to go wrong for Charles not to pip him to the championship if Ferrari have the best car um, which goes, which again goes back to the Lewis thing. Charles has signed up with Ferrari on a long-term deal. They haven't given an exact number of years, but they did say it was a, a multi-year contract. So Charles and Lewis will be interesting because Lewis will be coming into Charles's team. Charles has been there since 2020, 2019, 2020? 20, 2019. Fucking years all over the shop. He's been there for a while now anyway, um, so it's very much his team he'll be stepping into um uh but we shall see it's in look it's interesting at least because because we're going into the 2024 season where there has been exactly zero driver changes in the grid which i think is the first time it's ever happened um so it was the most dull it was a, not a particularly exciting season with a very dull uh silly season as we call it um when driver changes can happen and are rumored um where nothing changed so this lewis's move is going to kick off um, an interesting silly season for next for for 2025 because one who fills in for Lewis um, you know Carlos could go straight there but I don't see it happening um, Alex Albon will be a good fit um, he you know James Vells who was chief strategist strategist at Mercedes before he became team, team principal at Williams um, so there's a connection there Um he like Williams are sort of the Mercedes B team at the moment. Um, but, you know, well, maybe you could say Aston are, but um, there's a strong connection between Mercedes and Williams. Um, like Toto Wolf is a shareholder at Williams, and he's also you know a shareholder and chief. I don't know, I'm not sure what exactly his title is at Mercedes. He's a big head honcho at Mercedes Formula One, anyway. So you'd have to think an Albon move because Albon's obviously been he's you know he's done a lot for his reputation over the last couple of seasons with Williams. You'd have to think that would probably be the most logical step um, for them to stick George in. Um, you'd have to assume they'd have to get on the phone to Alonso, and Alonso would certainly have to contemplate it because um, as as competitive as he still is, um, and I did say you know age is but a number. You can't help but feel whatever move Fernando makes next, if he makes another move somewhere, it will most certainly be his last um, in Formula 1. And a move from Mercedes might be his only chance left to possibly get any success. Whether Mercedes have more championships than them is another thing, but at least it's a front-running car, a properly front-running car. Um, You know, just to see him get a couple of wins even. Um so there's that, but then also you know interviews with Toto after the news broke. Um, it's not impossible that they're going to put in their young junior driver Kimi Antonelli, who is going. Who did he win the F3 championship last year? I should probably double check that. Um, he's a young, he's a he's a Mercedes junior, um, and he's going into um, he's going into F2 this season. Um, he is he is highly tipped. Now he's only 17. Um, he'll be 18 in August. So. By the time the 2025 season rolled around, he'd be 18, which is pretty young, even though, you know, we had someone, a certain um, Max Verstappen, uh, did step into 
Formula One at the age of 16. Uh, so, like, you know, again, age is, is but a number these days. Um, they start so young and it's so professional. He probably could step into... Um, he could step into Formula One into a top team. It's it'd be a gamble by Mercedes, but sometimes you have to be bold to succeed. Um, I'm just having a look at his racing record here. He came second in Italian GT Sprint. Um, yeah, he's highly tipped. Now I don't I don't know a whole lot about his career. Um, he came first last year as well in Formula Regional Europe. Um, with Prima, he's going to be with Prima in in F2 next year. Uh, he also came first in the Formula Regional Middle East Championship. Um, he won in 2022 FIA Motorsport Motorsport Games Formula 4 Cup, whatever the fuck that is. Um, he came first in Formula 4 in 2022. So yeah, no, pretty good. Um, he didn't ha- he didn't have a stint, stint in F3, um, but he definitely has the chops. Um, you know, he has a few championships under his belt in his. Um, junior career um so yeah so we'll see he's, he's with you know essentially with the, the top team Prima racing in uh Prima racing in in f2 next year so yeah there's the, there is that possibility um i don't know if there's any curve balls really that you, you could bring in um for the mercedes seat but yeah then after that like you know what you know where where does science go you know, if if Perez doesn't have a great season next year, if he has another season like he had in twenty three, you'd have to assume he'd be told to get fucked um, for twenty twenty five from Red Bull. Science could swing in there. Um, you know, he he did start his career as a Red Bull junior. Um, his Formula One career started with um, what was called Toro Rosso, um, for, um, which we did know, which we did know as Avatari. Um, we're going to be under another name, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, you know, and his his father is also a Red Bull sponsored driver, and um, Carlos Sainz Senior, who won the Dakar, which I should probably talk about as well. But I'm already at thirty three minutes. I've talked absolute bollocks. Um, but uh, the only problem there is that you know, who do who really wants to be Max Verstappen's teammate? Um, Obviously, if you get offered the best car on the grid, you can't really say no. Um, and he wasn't a million miles off uh, the pace of Max when they were teammates at Toro Rosso. Um, also, now Max was young, younger than Science was. They both came in as rookies. Um, but the Max certainly was the faster of the two by the time he left um, Toro Rosso to, to go to Red Bull. And history has shown where that's gone. Um so is that, but the only thing is, well, like, Science Senior and Jos Verstappen, are, um, it's quite well known that the two of them don't particularly get along with each other. Um, so I'm not too sure how that would... And there's also a lot of rumours that, although Science Senior is sponsored by Red Bull, um, he did also compete in the Dakar with Audi, so he has a strong relationship with Audi. And Sauber, which again are going to be called something different this season, uh, the Sauber team, who've dropped the Alfa Romeo moniker, um, are slowly turning into the Audi Works team. Um, they'll become the full Audi Works team in 2026. So maybe Science could go there in 2025, lay a bit of foundations and be then their their driver, the Audi driver, for when they come in with the Works effort. Because um, he's still, I don't think he's, he's not even 30 yet, is, is Science. So he does have a good few seasons left in him. Um, 
And then yeah, so there's other mutual tires like you know, there's, there's a lot. I think there's 14 drivers um, that are that, con- that contracts are up at the end of the season. I think the only people that are really are locked in long term is Norris and Piastri are locked in at McLaren, and Leclerc is locked in at Ferrari, and now Hamilton's locked in at um, at Ferrari too for from 25 onwards. I think Russell. Does Russell up? Anyway, yeah, there's, there's, going, there's going to be a lot of merry-go-rounds. It'll be an interesting season um, for driver changes. Um, I've logged on. So, like, the, we've, the Haas 2024 car has already been launched, but it was a render. Um, all the launches are, are a bit nonsense these days because you, you don't see the real car. Um, but launches are happening, I think, today. So, by the time you listen to this, you might have already seen them. But the Sauber, Sauber are going to be called Stake. Sauber F1 is it stake stake or strike stake um i think it's an online gambling outfit i think because in countries where gambling advertisement isn't allowed they're going to be called kick f1 such such nonsense um but anyway the Sauber and the Williams are being launched today uh, Alpine on the 7th which is Wednesday or B which is what was AlphaTauri um is being on the 8th which is Thursday um so apparently the the official name, as I'm sure you've heard, for the the new name for Alphatari is Visa Cash App or Bees, um, which is just the most dreadful thing I've ever heard. Um, so apparently, like the, the team is going to be called or Racing Racing Bulls, um, which is nonsense um, because when you hear or you just think Red Bull. Um, I don't know. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to reevaluate that. It's just I don't, I don't understand it. Anyway, yeah. Aston Martin then on the twelfth. Ferrari the thirteenth. Unlucky for some, and most likely unlucky for Ferrari. McLaren on the fourteenth, along with Mercedes, and then Red Bull on the fifteenth. But said launches a lot of bollocks. It's mostly just uh, what the livery is going to be for the season. Um, it might not even be a real car. It might just be a show car. But then um, testing itself then happens the following week. Testing will be. 21st, 22nd, 23rd um, in Bahrain. And then the first race of the season is the following weekend on the 3rd of March in Bahrain. Um, yeah, fucking it comes around very quickly these days because the season fucking ends in December and starts again in fucking March. Um, back in my day, it would end in like October and not start again until like April. Um, and, you know, there was no such thing as the internet. Well, there was the internet, but the kind only slightly. Um, you really didn't see anything once the season and the, the season ended and then until the season started again you could go five six months without seeing a formula one car um yeah we'll see hopefully it's a slightly more competitive formula one season um red bull are going to win and max Verstappen are going to win again it would take a, a seismic shift for anything to really change that but just once it's a bit more competitive it's not such a whitewash and um, hopefully others hopefully ferrari you know, Mercedes, Aston, um, can can and McLaren um, can bring the fight for towards um, Red Bull and make it a bit exciting. And hopefully, the red the midfield will be nice and tight. Just so we can have some good racing. Um, regardless of who wins, it'll be entertaining. Um, I suppose yeah. The, um, the only real thing is shocker that I can think of off the top of my head is um, well, China will be back for the first time since COVID, um, which will be uh, a joy for Zhou Guanyu. And the Japanese Grand Prix in Suzuka, which thankfully has been confirmed, I think, until 2028 or 29, inclusive. Because um, there were all the ramblings that 
you know, Osaka were looking to get a street track. I'm like, Suzuka's an incredible, incredible race, racing circuit and we need less street tracks and more proper circuits. Um, because the Spanish Grand Prix from 2020 to 2026 um, is going to be in Madrid rather than Barcelona. Barcelona is not a great track. It's a, great, it's a good track to drive. It's just not a great spectacle um, for racing. Um, but that's moving to a street track in an industrial site in, in Madrid. So another street track um in 2026 um but yeah but the japanese grand prix is going to be in april um it's usually it used to be the final race of the season um back in my day again but and, but it's been slowly kind of moved f- further back in the in the season calendar and now it's really been switched um for good reason because as well like I think, was it last year or was it, anyway, it it's it's winter time in japan and it, it's essentially monsoon season in japan um, so it could be quite heavily rain affected. So having it in April might not be such a bad idea. Um, I've rambled on now for 40 minutes, which is way longer than I was intending on. Um, and I've talked absolute bollocks. So I'll start wrapping up. But all I was going to say is like back to my cynical talk about not owning a car and cars were kind of past the peak car and, you know, lost all faith. It, it's... It's tr- it is true. I, 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 it's you know it'd be nice to be you know try and be positive, with me glass half full about the thing. But w- we are past the peak car, and uh, you know peak peak car was was a while ago, and um, things have kind of slowly drifted. Uh, kind of, I think since two thousand six ish, and was when things well, it probably be a little bit later than that. Nine nine seven GT three is a little bit after that, isn't it? That's probably peak car. Um, and it's just like I, I, I see myself, you know, say, for example, one of the most recent car, car launches of, of the last week or so, or so was the Polestar 4. Good looking car. Um, a nice thing to live with, I'm sure. But it's just an EV. And I was watching videos about it. And I'm just like, you know what? I just, I don't really care. There's just nothing to get excited about. Um, uh, like, I know, I know, like... We have decades left of the combustion car. It's not, it's not being outlawed, um, and like you know, there's there is a slight rollback on in, you know the stopping of production of of combustion cars, but even combustion bar, combustion cars that they make now themselves, they're few and far between. The interesting ones, there will be a massive shift to to EVs. Although I don't think it's the ultimate answer, and they're just not, they're just not interesting, um. I have something written down here that I can't. Oh yeah, f- frustrated with cars and stuff as well. Like, so it's from twenty twenty four. It's mandatory for all new cars to have all of the assist programs, but you can turn them off. You know, lane assist, speed limit warnings. You know, your your the all the other cameras now to make sure you're looking at the road, even though you have to look down to look at your touch screen. We don't have buttons anymore, and then. Yeah, you can turn all this stuff off, which in itself is annoying. So every time you get in, you have to turn off the systems because they turn on automatically when you get in. But there is talk of from twenty twenty six or maybe twenty twenty seven onwards that they're going to be mandatory that they that they that they're on and they stay on. And just oh, that's just not a world I want to live in. Um, look, I'm not saying safety isn't important, but if you can't drive a car safely yourself, then maybe you shouldn't be driving at all. Um, this nanny state intrusive nonsense which we've seen doesn't work properly um, it's just a step too far and it's just another thing 
in the modern car cycle um you know the the demise although it's you know as i say it's not happening overnight but the demise of the combustion engine which the reason we love the combustion engine which i know is a polluter but it's not really that polluting anymore and also it's not the biggest contributor to 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 pollution in in modern society but it is attacked um the most compared to most other things um trust me if you had a flight in the last year you did a lot more damage than just driving your car um but where was i going with that um yeah it's just it's just it's 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 we've we've come to we've come to an end and thankfully look there is still a big back catalog and you know we can still buy old cars and we'll still be allowed to run them for a long time so the the history is still there i mean still indulge in the history but it's just there's i don't see anything new coming that is of any excite or interest and actually in it will be frustrating like i know like the probably the, the greatest and it is a great car i'm sure i haven't driven one obviously but like a great car that was was released last year the 992 911 st incredible car combustion engine mechanical but even at that and this is going to be a you know a controversial thing to say but like it's it's too big it's too powerful and is it going to be is it going to wow me any more than say a 997 gt3 which i could probably buy for you know a hundred which is a lot of money still but i could get one for less than a hundred grand Whereas good luck trying to find an ST for, what, 300? More than that. Especially in the used market, because people are going to flip them. And, you know, like, I, th- I think, you know, what, I'm rambling on again, but look, even combustion cars that are being made now are, they're, they're too much. Um, I'm going to stop talking now. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm it's something that's, that does, it does, bother me and it does upset me um but i suppose look if i'm gonna if i want to try and have an end on it on a positive note is that the history is there and there's still the old cars there and we still be allowed we'll still still be allowed to use them as far as we're aware for a few decades to come but sad times we live in um i'll wrap up because that was very depressing i've been rambling on for 46 minutes um yeah, I'll wrap up. Um, I don't have a, a classified car of the week. Um, the, uh, after that depressing rant, I went on about the car. Um, if you have the means to get something that you've always wanted, just go out and buy it now. Go buy it now and enjoy it for the next few decades. Um, it's something I should take to heart myself. But yeah, just just find the thing that you want or have always wanted. And if you have the means to buy it, buy it and enjoy it. Um, music um, recommendation. Uh, Villagers have a new song out. It's called... Uh, golden times i think off the top of my head let me double check that um villagers being conor o'brien and his uh and his uh revolving door of um collaborators he works with to make the the compilation music that is villagers um endlessly endlessly every time it comes out with news that golden times called sorry the track um it's the first single of an upcoming album coming out next month um he just makes beautiful music and every time he brings out something new it's like he, surely he can't do it again and he seems to have done it again um, he's playing Trinity College in the summer I think June, July you'll have to take us first look it up yourself um, but anyway check that out Villagers that golden time it's a beautiful song um, and check him out and he's obviously he's just, he's just one of our best artists currently uh, working 
And then a YouTube channel I'm going to recommend, um, Channel 5 News with Andrew Callahan. Um, kind of an alternative take on uh, pressing issues. It's kind of kind of US based. Um, uh, he does like a lot of stuff about you know drug problems in America and uh, like problems with immigration that they're having with their border walls and stuff. Um, but he does some kind of lighthearted stuff as well. Um, there's a big back catalogue of stuff. Um, he was on a YouTube channel called All Gas No Breaks, which you might be familiar with, which has some hilarious um, kind of new light news uh, comedic videos um, but his own channel is Channel 5 News with Andrew Callahan. Um, some good stuff on there um, this was very terrible as normal very rambly um, a, a bit depressing in parts um, but I just decided I'd do one because I had the time to do one and I haven't done one in months um, so if you have, if you have listened um, as ever I love you um, and be safe and be well I'll talk to you again soon bye oh and also I'm doing this one completely on the fly because um, I have to head out now and so I'm just going to upload, upload it on my phone um, so if there's any rambling nonsense at the start, at the end or the middle that I haven't edited out, um, I apologise. Um, you don't listen to this for quality if you're listening to it at all. Okay, bye.